0: Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you are about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. And I want us to look today at what God, I believe, intended by the power of resurrection. And this is something that God intended for each and every one of us to experience, not after we die, at least from this mortal body body alone, but now. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what is the power of resurrection, how that you can experience it daily in your life. Isn't that good news? Don't you think we need to know that? I said, don't you think we need to know that? Y'all going to have to talk back to me. I'm going to, talk, I'm going to preach long. All right. And so uh, one of the things that we find out when it comes to this power of resurrection that God released when he raised Christ from the dead he intends for us to experience it. He intends for us to have that on the inside of us, and it is there to do something to us. And we're going to look at this this morning. Look in your Bible, if you will, to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Paul the apostle said it like this when he wrote to the church of Philippi. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So he's talking about knowing the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, be made conformable unto his death. Now, here, Paul the apostle, many times people will look at this passage of scripture and think it kind of morbid, almost as in a way of thinking, well, I don't want to suffer like Christ suffered on the cross. I don't want to die like he died. But that's not necessarily what he's meaning here. Yes, Paul did talk about how that he suffered many things for the name of Jesus, but in also that he was content in the things that he had. But we understand that we should also know that whatever we go through, whatever we do have, that we can trust God, that we can be content. But Paul, by revelation, was trying to reveal something else to us through this understanding when he says that we can know him. How many of you know that you can know him? We can know God. God wants us to know him. God wants you to reveal yourself to him, even though he knows everything about you already. He still wants to have conversation with you. He wants to speak to you. He wants you to reveal your heart to him. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to have a relationship with him. You know, we oftentimes say that Christianity is a relationship with God. It's not just a religion. But we oftentimes don't build the type of relationship that we need to have with God. Sometimes we say, well, we're too busy. You know, I think about the parables that Jesus taught, like in Luke chapter 14 and things of that nature, uh, where he talked about uh, how that people made excuse why they couldn't come to the house of God or why they couldn't come to the dinner, things of that nature. And we all have an excuse of why we cannot. But really in The fact is, is that there is no real good excuse. We can build a relationship with God. You do have time to seek his face and to pray and to know him, to get to know him more. And God opened that way for you and I through the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Each and every one of us can know him, but it's up to you to do that. It's up to you to pursue after God with your whole heart. You know, this morning, I want us to continue to look at something here. Romans chapter 8 says it like this in verse 11. We're talking about experiencing the power of the resurrection. Verse 11 says, But if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead, I'm going to be reading several different versions. Today. You've probably got the ESV up there right now, I'm not sure. But the but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So the Bible says there it talks about the Spirit dwelling in you, talking about the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Look in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. I'm gonna read a few scriptures here and then just get in right into the message. Verse 19 says in Ephesians 1, it says, and one is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. Now that's a key word right there. That's a key understanding. First, we have to believe. Everybody say this with me. I'm a believer. Come on now, everybody say this with me. I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. I believe God. I believe in God. Amen. So the Bible says, here it says, in Ephesians, it says that there's an exceeding greatness of power to usward who believe. There's an exceeding greatness of power to usward who believe. Are you getting a hold of that? It's not for the person who doubts. It's one who believes. It's not to the unbeliever, but it's to the believer. There's an exceeding greatness of power to usward who believe. Amen? So we have something that is afforded to us, we have an opportunity to experience this greatness of power because we believe. Amen. So the Bible tells us that this power is according to the working of his mighty power. This is the kind of power he's talking about. It's according to the working of his mighty power. When? That he wrought in Christ. So this exceeding power that is to us that we can experience because we believe God that which is afforded to us, took place when God raised Christ from the dead. So that great power that raised Christ from the the dead is afforded to us. We can experience it. We can begin to understand it and know it as Paul says, I want to know this power. I want to know the power of the resurrection. Here, the Bible says we can experience it because we believe. See, when we think of that, we're thinking about working in the gifts of the Spirit. I do believe that too, but that's not really everything that he's talking about. I'm going to show you today something in the scripture that I believe is going to help you to begin to experience the very power of resurrection in a daily lifestyle. How would you like that? Would you like to have that working in your life? I tell you, there's a lot of scripture in this which points to the fact of what this power does in us and then how it demonstrates itself through us. And I want to show you this today in the word of God. So the Bible says this, this, this power which he wrought in Christ. I love that translation right there, that word wrought. A lot of the translations do say work, that he worked in Christ. Well, what does this mean? I like the word wrought because it gives an understanding of like a blacksmith, It means to hammer something in something to produce it. Think about it. Jesus was hammered for you. You know what I'm saying? He was nailed to a cross for you. What God did in Christ on that cross, when he wrought something in Christ, when he was crucified upon that cross, he was doing something. He was going to produce something that you can receive and experience in your daily life. Something that we call life that is in Christ. Something that Paul understood when he began to say, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that liveth in me. And understanding that the Bible teaches us that you are a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. It's based upon how you identify with what God has done in Christ. When you begin to believe that, I'm not just talking about I believe in it, but you believe it. It's in you. That he did it for you. He's done it in you. You possess it now today in you. That's what he means to believe. It's not about believing that God did that for you. It's about believing he did it in me. This is who I am. That's what Paul said. He says, I died that Christ might live in me. This same power that God wrought as a blacksmith, he was producing something in Jesus that we might experience today through the power of his resurrection. And today, this is what we're celebrating. Jesus is no longer in the tomb. He is alive. And because he is alive, we now have been given this life in us through our faith in Christ because we have said, Jesus, I open my heart to you. Come in, cleanse me. I repent from my sin. I'm going to follow you. Jesus, be my Lord. And when you do that, When that beginning process begins, it's not the end of something, it's just the beginning of something. It's the end of the old life and the old man and the old nature, but it's the beginning of a new life. And now we have to renew our mind. We have to come to an understanding of what God has done for us in Christ so we can begin to identify with what God has done and not just in who we used to be. Because the old man will speak to you at times. He still sometimes has people ear, has the ear of people sometimes. He tells them what you used to be. He tells you what you can't do, what you can't have. He causes you to fear what you might not have. But what God did in Christ, what he worked in him was to set us free. Was to set us free from this bondage and slavery. I've said it before. There's only two kinds of people on this earth. Those that are God's and those that are not. But everybody's a slave. We're either a slave to sin or a slave to God, to righteousness. What do I mean by that? Because the freedom that we have has freed us from the bondage of sin, that we might serve God. Are you hearing me right now? It's not a bondage to serve God. It's a liberty. It's the only liberty afforded on the planet today, and that is in Christ. The Bible says here, and I want us to take a quick look at this, because the greatest production of power, which was toward us after we believe, when we put our trust in God, is now done in us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says it like this, blessed. Be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him, even before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Think about this. Where are you right now? You're before God. You now The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, and it talks, tells us this in verse one. It talks about us presenting ourselves. Before God, oftentimes we think, "Well, we're just trying to not sin." That's what that scripture means, but it actually means that when we gather together in the name of Jesus in the house of God, we're presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, which is a reasonable worship. Do you know it just makes common sense to go to church when you're born again? Are you hearing me? It's a reasonable worship. The Bible says it just makes it just makes sense, and it is worship. Because you're presenting yourself. See, we we often tie tie that to sin, like I'm just trying not to sin. That's not what he's talking about there. You've got to keep it all in context. And then he tells us that we need to be renewed in our mind. How do we do that? By the knowledge of the truth, the truth that has set you free, the truth that has made you this new creation, and this truth of what God has done in Christ, he did in you. What God has wrought in Christ, he put in you when you accepted him at his word. And his word came to dwell in you, to change you, to make you who you are and what you will be. And as we grow in the knowledge of the Son of God, we begin to see who we are in a deeper way so we might live this life in a more greater demonstration of what God wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So, Paul said it like this. He says that we are before him in love. Well, what does love got to do with it? You know, I could probably sing a song. What does love got to do with it? I'm not going there. I'm not going there. But let me just say this. It's not the world's kind of love that Paul is talking about there. It's not. It's not the world's kind of emotional love that is referred to here. This kind of love is much different. It's the kind of love that God demonstrated for us. The Bible says, in Christ, which he also put in you and he put in me. God demonstrated his love toward us. Romans chapter five, verse seven says, for one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. Verse eight, Romans five, verse eight. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So the Bible says that God demonstrated this kind of love. Again, that's not a, an emotional necessarily love. It's not a feeling kind of love like the world talks about. But it's a love that surpasses, the Bible says, even knowledge, even, even ability to comprehend. But if we can comprehend, the Bible tells if you can get a hold of this, nothing will separate you from his love. Did you know that? Did you know the Bible says that? Not even death, not even life, no principality, no power. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. Isn't that good news? And he demonstrated this love. See, this kind of love is demonstrated. I want us all to know this love, mature in this kind of love, experience that power that raised Jesus from the dead because it was the love of God that sent Christ. It was also the love of God that raised him from the dead. So today, I want to show something here out of Philippians again, chapter 3, verse 10. Paul again said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So how great is this love? This love moves us towards God. It makes us want to be like him. That's what Paul's saying there. I want to be like Jesus. Huh? You know, you've seen the wristbands, you know, WWJD, stuff like that. Anybody remember that? Huh? Back in the day, WWJD, what would Jesus do? You know, we're trying to be like Jesus. Huh? Just be like Jesus. Well, Paul says, I want to be like him. How can we be like him? Well, Paul told us how we can be like him. First of all, we need to come boldly before God. We need to be in his presence. You see, Love will draw you near, and in that love, it'll also make you feel safe. Have you ever noticed that when you're around people who love you, you feel safe? You know what I'm talking about? Huh? You can trust them because you love them. They love you. You know when someone loves you. Come on, are you with me? There's a trust all of a sudden. You just, kinda, you just trust them, right? Well, see, we're, we're called to trust God. Why? Because we know he has demonstrated this love. He's demonstrated his love for us even when we did not love him. He first loved us and he demonstrated that love. So he's saying to you and I today, we can trust him. We can feel safe in his presence. That's why the Bible tells us that you can come boldly before him without any shame, fear, or guilt, or inferiority. You can come boldly before God. You know, my children can come to me. I'm daddy. And they have no problem talking to me about anything that I know of, as far as I know. They'll ask me for everything. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I'm daddy. And they come to me. And they feel safe. They know what to expect. They know that I will hear them. and I will listen to them. And I'm just an earthly father. How much better is God, our father, today? He will hear you. You know, First John says, if you believe that God hears you when you pray, you will have the petition that you ask for. But oftentimes, we come to God in a place of need, but also in doubt. You see, fear and doubt are connected together. Fear and doubt are connected together. And when you, do not have, when you have doubt and you have fear, you do not trust. If you do not trust, then you don't feel safe. This is why many times in our lives, we feel like a failure. Anybody ever felt like a failure? Have you ever felt like maybe your marriage is just at its, it's, just at its end? Ever felt like something is going on in your life that is out of control and you can't control it? and and you're afraid maybe your children are going to turn out the way they should maybe you're afraid that something bad's going to happen maybe you're afraid of your future maybe you're afraid of some sickness or disease or and let me just say this the bible says fear has torment but there's one thing that gets rid of fear and the bible says that perfect love or perfected love mature love casts out fear why would it say casts out fear? Because Paul says that God did not give us a spirit of fear. God, the Bible says God called that fear a spirit. Isn't that something? So the Bible tells us that God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of love, oh, power, and a sound mind. You see, what God did in Christ when he wrought in Christ, what he did in him, was he gave us the ability to have the very love of God shed abroad in our heart. What does the love of God do? It makes you fearless. Oh, you better, you better get a hold of this. Come on, are you with me right now? When you're fearless, that means you don't think that whatever it is that God has spoken to you is going to fail. Think about it. You have no fear you know, the world says no fear and does all of these different things trying to prove that they have no fear. When they're full of fear, doubt, unbelief. But as a Christian today, when you believe God, you can stand in his very presence knowing that he loves you, that you are safe. You can trust in him, that his word will come to pass, that he has spoken to you. That which you know according to the truth of the covenant that you have through the blood of Jesus, that you know that these promises are yes and amen, that whatever you put your hand to is going to prosper, Joshua. Just be, a, be strong and of good courage, the Bible says. The problem is, is that we are not experiencing the very power of resurrection that God did for us when he put it in us so we can live a fearless life because that's what happens when you have that love that is shed abroad in your heart. It's not just a ooey gooey. I love everything and everybody just walking around necessarily like that. It's a fearless life because perfected love casts out fear. Are you hearing me right now? When you begin to grow up and mature in your life, when it comes to Christ, that's why the Bible says in Ephesians that we might grow up in in love in Christ. Talking to the saints of God, the maturing of the saints is growing up in love so that you can go outside and not fear what men will do to you because you have no fear in love. Are you with me right now? Why? because you've stood in the presence of God and you're walking out in the power of the resurrection because you're walking out in the very power of his spirit because you're no longer walking out to the flesh because you're not putting confidence in the flesh any longer. You're not putting confidence in just what you've done, what you can do. Like Paul said it in Philippians, he said, I have no confidence in my own flesh, even though I could brag on all this stuff that I could do and everything else, but I have no confidence in that. My confidence is in Christ. My confidence is in what he's done in me. My identity is no longer in what I was and what I've done, but in what he's done done. My identity is in what God has done in me. My identity is what God has said about me. And that means I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That tells me I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. But if my words is connected to my doubt, my unbelief and fear, then guess what? You're entertaining the wrong spirit. We need to be entertaining the Holy Spirit. We need to be casting out that fear because when you put love in, then the door opens and the back door goes, I mean, the back door opens and fear goes out. When you let the love of God comes in, come in. But if you let fear in, then it closes the door to love. How do I know that? Because most anger is bent on fear. Fear of not being heard. Fear of not being accepted. Fear of all these different kinds of fear that opens the door to all of these issues in our lives. But when you love, when you're walking in love, did you know one step out of love is a step into sin? Did you know when you walk in the spirit, as the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit? When you walk after the spirit, that means that new recreated spirit where the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart, you become a fearless being on this planet, not afraid of the devil, not afraid of man, not afraid of government, not afraid of anything. You're not afraid of failure you're not afraid of death. If death can't defeat you, who can? Think about it. And why is that there? Is it because we're proud? No, it's because of the love of God. It's because of it. we've experiencing and are experiencing the power of his resurrection on the inside of us. Because we put our trust in him. We're not putting our trust in man, we're not putting our trust in things, we're not even putting our trust in our own self, we're putting our trust in God. What we need to do is put our trust in our belief. We need to believe that we will obey him. We need to believe that we will act. We need to believe that we will save. We need to be that witness that Jesus said we can be because when the power of his resurrection is living on the inside of you, then you'll begin to demonstrate the very love of God to the world. But if you're afraid of what men will say about you, you won't. Is that okay? Because we're talking about today how to live every day a life that is experiencing and demonstrating the power of his resurrection. You see, what does that power do? It overcomes everything about the flesh. I could read a lot of scripture to you today. I want to just show you one thing and what, what happened in mankind in Genesis. Genesis chapter three, verse one. Most of you probably know this story about how man fell, but I want you to look at it just a little bit closer today with me. Will you do that? The serpent, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not not surely die. Verse 5, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired, will don't you think about this? To make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Verse seven, then the eyes of both were open and they knew that they were naked and so they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the, cool, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. I want you to look at something here. Keep reading. Verse nine says, But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said... I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? If you notice there, Satan subtly deceived Eve in believing that what she had was not enough. Now think about it some kind of doubt and fear towards God came because she said, you know, that tree that God said not to eat of, I'm desiring it now. There's something else about this. So she began to put trust in what Satan had said and not trust in what God had said. Are you hearing me right now? What happens whenever we do the same things in our lives? Well, oftentimes the same results happen. We wind up hiding ourselves from God for a little while. Think about it. Because we don't feel like we can come in the presence of God. Well, I'm not good enough. I mean, I've had people tell me, if I walked inside your church, man, I promise you the roof would fall on it. I said, brother, that church is made for you to walk into. Come on. That roof ain't gonna fall. God already knows you. God loves you. He wants you there. You know, What we find, though, in this story is that Satan was able to subtly turn the minds of the two most perfect people, created people ever to exist at that time, to be able to turn them to a point that they desired something else than what God had provided already. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about don't have desire, but I am talking about how that oftentimes We'll begin to look at things in a different perspective than the way God has taught us or shown us, according to His Word. They disobeyed God, and then the fall of humanity happened. But key things stick out to me in this they hid themselves, and fear came. They were afraid. They were afraid. So they hid themselves from God. You know, the Bible tells us that there is no fear in love. There's no fear in love. That's why Paul says we can know him, that we can come boldly before the throne of grace, obtain mercy, and find grace to help in time of need. You know, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but one of authority, of love, and a sound mind. What does fear do? It strips you of your authority. It makes you not trust God's working, his will in your life. Makes you doubt. It makes you angry. And let me just say this, fear and love don't mix. Because if love shows up, when you begin to walk in love, putting your trust in God, loving God, knowing that God's will is going to come to pass, you'll begin to not have fear. Fear will leave. But whatever you're fearing today means you're not in a place of trust in God. It means you're not in that place where you're saying, God, I'm going to let love, I'm going to let that kind of love that you already demonstrated towards me live in my heart today. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to love. I'm going to walk in the spirit. I'm not going to walk outside of that. I'm going to put my faith in you. I want to experience the power of your resurrection. God has done something for all of mankind when he raised Christ from the dead. Something that God has made available to man only by faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 8:15 says it for says it like this, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by which We cry out, Abba, Father. Isn't that good news? You see, Jesus said in the last days, men's hearts will begin to fail them for fear. Fear is based on hopelessness, the very seed of deception which separated man from God. But God's love by the power of resurrection has given us his spirit. And by his spirit, he has shed abroad in our hearts his kind of love. Not our kind of love, but the God kind of love. And the God kind of love, the Bible says, casts out fear. Because fear has torment. If you're tormented today by what might happen, what did happen, what could happen, when you fear and doubt your future, if you fear and doubt failure today, I've got good news. You don't have to leave that same way that you came in, in Jesus' name. You don't have to leave that way. That can change today. It can change right now. If you'll begin to just say, God, I accept your love for me. That love, God, that by your spirit is shed abroad in my heart. Fear, go. I'm going to put my trust in God. I will not fear. I'm not going to feel fear change. I'm not going to fear failure. I'm not going to doubt, but I'm going to believe. I am a believer. I'm not a doubter. God, I put my trust in you. God, I will not be ashamed, the Bible says, because of your love. Nothing can separate me. David said it like this in one of the most famous Psalms, in Psalms 23. Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Some years ago, the Holy Spirit gave me an understanding. He said, if you notice, I didn't say you wouldn't feel no evil. But he says, I will fear it. I will not fear it. You might feel it. It might be around you, but you don't have to fear it. Amen. I said, it might be around you, but you don't have to fear it. You might see it with your own eyes. Though a thousand fall at your one side and 10,000 at your right hand, it will not come near you. Are you hearing me right now? You know, that is a very important understanding today. The Bible says that love has been perfected in us. That we might have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And we love him because he first loved us. Thank you for listening to today. If you're wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.